Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I am your host, Scott Belanger, a.k.a. Jax Falcone. You can find me on Twitter at Dino Game Theory. This is episode number 158. Let's roll. And I got a big one today. I know you guys have been waiting for it. You guys have been waiting for it. Today I do have Scott Connor on. It's going to be a lot of fun. But uh, I gotta start. I gotta start with my boy. I think he's gonna marry her. I think I think Kelsey's gonna marry her. I mean, he's gonna put a ring on her. It's gonna be amazing. The best power couple ever. You know, I I don't I don't go so far as to call myself a Swifty. I wouldn't. I don't. I don't know how I, that that seems a little weird. I I feel funny saying shit like that. But if you don't respect what Taylor Swift has done in music, never mind everything else that she's created. It's been amazing. I think that girl's done her very, very level best at staying down to earth. And I love that it's a football player that's taming that beast. What a cool spot. Travis Kelsey's kind of fucking dope. You know, he steps up at the presidential podium after the after the Super Bowl and is gonna take he was gonna do a speech too if Mahomes didn't stop him. I mean, he's just absolutely chill. He's he's dragging down the 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 pop queen. Uh just cool. He's gonna put a ring on it. They're gonna have little Kelsey kids. It's gonna be sick. The, the, the Kelsey's have the best like podcast in the world, right? It is just awesome. Just embrace it. People just embrace it. All right. No more hating. Karma is the guy on the chiefs and y'all know it, but I can fucking guarantee it that nobody tuned into this damn podcast to hear me talk about Taylor Swift. What you're tuning in for is my guy, great Scott's. Mr. Scott Connor coming on this show and talking with me about dynasty football. I am so excited. I can't wait. I, I mean, I want it to go four hours. I told him four hours. We've been negotiating down to like, you know, we're going to do 24 hours, but we're going to break it into two hour slots. Here's the first two hours. Damn it. Mr. Scott Connor, get your ass out here. What's going on, buddy, man, Scott, Jax. I call you Scott just cause I, I always want to interact with more Scots, but yes, uh, yeah, I think this is the fourth straight year that we've done this and yeah. a couple of times we've done it multiple times in a year. And I think we always leave it saying, Man, we should do this more often. Yeah. But time gets away from us. But yes, we sir. we set this date. It's a very interesting time right now. I don't think we have potted 
in the last 10 or 11 months to where we've been able to kind of talk about some of the changes in the dynasty space. So I know some of the questions we got asked, I think will bring that discussion out. No doubt. And I, I can't, I can't help but wonder, you know, I, I literally thought about this the other day when I saw that, I don't know if you saw that report that, that Taylor makes 10 to 13 million a night doing her shows. I mean, yeah. right. T- talk, you think these quarterback contracts are crazy. You think NBA or MLB contracts are crazy. Right. So think of that's where the money is. My, my dad always told me, he goes, yeah, man, all the money's in Hollywood. It's unbelievable. All it's of it is in music and in Hollywood. It, forget about sports. You think sports is big, but the money gets thrown around there is insane. But yeah, I kind of wonder, you know, she's what, 5'11"? She's tall, yeah. 5'10", she, 5'11", the she's tall. And, They're like both 33. Like, this is like, I, this is this is a real thing, man. I, You know, I was always thinking, like, if she gets with some fucking loser from Hollywood, just some, just some, you know what I'm saying? There's just a lot of, like, yeah. vapid you know, douchebags from Hollywood that are like, um, so, you know, the whole, I don't know. I just didn't want her in the, in that world. You know, I want her in the real world and, you know, seeing her in the, in the, in the, you know, in the luxury box with the family. And I, of course people absolutely lose their mind when she's with, you know, Mahomes. but yeah, I, I think it's fucking cute. You know I mean? I'm like sitting here going, Oh, like, but I don't know, man. Like that's, what, that's like real fucking life. That reminds me of like, Kelsey's mom is like your high school, you know, when you were in high school and you had the team and she was like the, the team mom, like, I don't know. It just feels wholesome to some degree and they're having fun. They're playing fucking patty cake and shit. They got their own fucking high five. I don't know, man. It's I'm, I'm beyond it, man. It's just too fucking much. I can't take it. Hey, I mean, it's, it's fair to wonder, like, you know, this has been going on for a couple months now and where yeah. does it end up? You know, like where kids. truly does it end up? Cause yep. it, it's either going to end in what you said, or it's going to end extremely horribly to yeah, where all the NFL it's NFL versus the yes. Swifties, you know, yes. and it, then it's going to be very interesting to see what sides are what sides, but yeah, <laughs> good, good one. Good, good way to bring in the show. I didn't expect it, but it yes. is a topic that's obviously very relevant in the NFL. Game yeah, today. absolutely. That, that's the feel good story. The opposite, I guess, of feel good story is, uh, well, maybe some people feel good about him getting hurt is, is Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson, not necessarily feel good. Although, I mean, you could say that could be his middle name. Uh, in any event, uh, D- Deshaun now, I, you know, I don't really give a shit. You know, he, he literally, I have no opinion. I don't want to talk about like what he did. Cause quite frankly, I don't fucking know what he did. I don't really know. I, he got jerked off or something. Okay, great. You know, God bless. Move on. I'm sure he's a piece of shit, but what I really wonder is he, he was like, he's still like one of the top five, uh, fantasy quarterbacks in terms of. Uh, fantasy points per game for his career. He's still that good, like somehow or another, but he's been a little bit off lately. So at his peak, I guess what I'm guess I'm getting at is he's a top five dynasty quarterback if he's just right. Now he's not only not right, but he's also injured out for the season. I feel like he presents, you know, value potentially depending on where your league mates value him. And of course, right now in this particular moment, whether you're you know, going for it or rebuilding. I think there's opportunities here. Do you agree? Yeah, I mean, and there's multiple things going on. This wasn't just based on the news that he's going to miss the rest of the year with this shoulder surgery. It was also, we saw a, I don't want to say a downturn, but just a steady decline in not just his value. And I think this is important to kind of talk about it through this lens as well. Not just his value, but in this shifting dynasty game that we play, there's yes. a something to be said about it, it's not hard to determine what the price or the cost of something is anymore because there's so many calculators and sites that'll tell you in the ballpark what it should be. 
What I think is important that people don't factor in enough is a lot of times the supply and demand of a player in a given moment. Yeah. And with Deshaun, his demand was much lower than it was even a year ago just because I think there's a lot of people that are just sick of him. Yeah. They're sick of hearing about him. They don't want to root for him. And forget about whether those people would have had them on their roster. Yeah. I could have understood if you said, hey, I bought Deshaun during his suspension. Because if there was a chance he came right back to where he was, I want to have some of those in my portfolio, right? Like I'm willing to take that bet because I'm a pragmatic manager that always is willing to buy low on something that could be an explosion in value. Yeah. But since he's come back and he struggled last year, now granted, he's played 11 full games since he came back from his suspension. And I believe four of those he's finished as a QB1 or a top Mm. 10 QB. And it didn't count this past one where he was awesome in the second half, but he had such a horrible first half that it didn't end up finishing as you know top 10 in that week. But I think what's happened is right when he came back and whenever you decided that he was never going to be the same quarterback that he was in the past, I think there were a lot more people that at that point were like, okay, I'm getting out or I don't want him anymore. Because I never really wanted him to begin with, but it presented such a possible win from a buy low stock opportunity that I... Even the people that were like, I don't like the guy, I don't want to root for him, I still maybe bought a couple just because, right? Yeah. But now I don't think you come back from that point of, I don't want to say even point of no return, but before this, Scott, he was firmly in the, what I call the new QB dead zone. Yeah. He was in the the range of, okay, I need a QB or I need a couple QBs in here but I don't really give a shit which ones I have. That's right, yeah. could have been Goff. It could have been Geno Smith. I don't care. I want the QBs that I have in here to survive from year to year. That's it. But as soon as, you, as soon as you're telling me there's this mythical upside or future value that I have to chase and I have to pay for. No, thank you. Right away, you're going, man, Get yeah. yeah uh, give me Geno Smith and a first for yes. Deshaun Watson. I yeah. don't care about the quarterback there. They occupy my QB2 or QB3 spot give me the extra value. So he was already in that range. And I think these factors were going to contribute to him never getting out of that range. Now he was the most, or one of the most desirable ones in that range. I'm sitting here evaluating him amongst all of the non top 12 QBs. And I'm going, let's see potential upside. Yeah. Cause we've seen it before. Uh, potential job security. Yep. He's got that, right? He's got some weapons. He doesn't have a bad offense. Like everything was in place for him above somebody like Gino or Derek Carr or Kenny Pickett or anybody else you name in that range. Jordan Love even. Like he was in a range where I would have gone, okay, he's at the top of that tier. But he's never going to escape that tier. He's never going to be, hey, Scott, I got Deshaun. You got Lamar Jackson. Can I just tack on a little bit and then I'll tear up to Lamar? You're going to go, ah, man, you know, I really don't want to down tier that far. So he was already in that range, but now you add the injury on now top of the injury. it. I was going to say, now that you add the injury, I think you have to be and, – and I, you were saying it too. People are – I think they're also a little skittish. Like I think there's a fear of like maybe he's not good anymore. That could be one fear. There's a fear of maybe there's another shoe to drop. you know. And if that happens, maybe the contract gets voided. I don't even know if that's possible. I have no clue, well, uh, but you know what listen, I mean? Like if he's in jail, I guess he can't be, you know what I mean? So there's any, that, you know, that speaks to exactly what I'm talking about. Anytime yeah. he's not playing, there's, there's going to feel like there's more risk with him 
than somebody else. Now, a lot of those fears are probably unfounded. Like, oh, he's probably no less likely to have a contract voided as another player is to get injured or something happened to where that's going to, you can't really factor that into your analysis. Right. But the second thing is to his value is what I'm saying. It it does get factored in. The second thing you probably have to look at is there's, there's an assessment that you have to do in terms of, and we'll talk about this later with many, many other players is there's an assessment you have to do in terms of how much do you value some of those other things that have nothing to do with what he's producing. The yeah. nature of this range of QBs is that you're almost, once you're down in that range, you're willing to live with the then and now. Yep. The right now. I'm not going to overvalue a year or two from now. I'm going to give Even you though an, I'd probably bet on... Yeah, I'm, I'm going to give you an I, example. I bet on him uh, starting... Yeah. Let me give you an example, though. Like what happens is like I'm in a league. I lost them. It's a uber competitor. Like I'm definitely one of the better teams, but I'm actually very thin. It's like Lamar. I had him, Lamar, Kenny Pickett. I had Anthony Richardson, too. You know, so it was like, okay, so, you know, double whammy. I think I might have had cousins, too, to be honest with you. So like I've I've had the, the trifecta. So now I'm literally I had quarterback depth. Thank God I'm sitting on like Lamar and Pickett. But I've reached out to like the bottom three teams and like fashioned a trade where I'm giving Deshaun and getting whatever. I don't even remember just whatever quarterbacks they had, you know, and like and I'm giving commensurate value if it was a trade up or trade down. And a lot of times the answer I get is not really interested in Deshaun. And it's like, I don't even know how to broach the subject. Like, what does that even mean? Like. I, I, you know, cause you and I are so different in how we look at it. It's like, I'm interested in everybody always or nobody. Like I, I don't have that programming where it's like, I'm not interested in that player at all. Like even, you know, someone sent me an offer for Jordan love and it was ridiculous. It was like a top, I have a top three first round pick in 2024. And they asked for that. I was like, you're smoking all the crack. But the point is that I'm, I'm, I'm not, not interested in Jordan love. Sure. I'd take on Jordan love. You just have to send him to me at the right price. And I'd buy him right now. Actually, you know, maybe a, a, a really, really late first or early second in the 2024 rookie draft. I'd definitely pay that for Jordan love as a contender who needs the, you know what I mean? So it's all about value to, to guys like us but a lot of times in many of the leagues especially many of the leagues that our listeners play in they encounter emotional responses that are hard to navigate well let's dive a little deeper into that because i think this is a cool conversation so i come to you and you're trying to sell pick an item that you'd probably try to sell let's say you have a truck you're trying to sell a truck right you want to sell a truck you want five grand for a truck yeah and i'm like i want to buy a truck but Scott, I only have four grand. Yeah. And you go, well, I can't sell it for four because I'm, I'm just going to, I'm willing to wait till someone comes and buys it for five. Right. And I go, well, okay, I only have four, but I can also give you this really, really awesome brand new sits at two entire families. You can invite your in-laws and everybody over. I have an awesome sectional. It'll really fill out your living room. And I go, it's worth $1,200. Brand new. I can show you the receipts. Like it's it's worth $1,000. That should get us to the 5K you want for the truck, right? Yeah. But then you go, man, I don't have any room for it in my house. So right there, what really they're saying is it's not about the value, but it's more about how do they turn the value into what they think can help them. And a lot of times that analysis doesn't happen out loud. That analysis doesn't happen in the trade comments. What they're really thinking in the back of their mind is, damn, I want, I'm okay selling you whoever you're trying to buy, right? I'm, I'm fine selling you Jordan Love. 
and you're trying to give me back Deshaun Watson in a second, something like that. Sure. That seems to be fairly in the range, right? But what they're really saying is, I don't want to take on Deshaun Watson because to turn him into what I want to turn him into, they have to put in more work and it's not guaranteed to actually work in that specific league. And it I think be. people need to think about that. Yep. Now, if you, there's leagues where I would go, dude, I don't care what first round pick it is, what quarterback it is, I'll take it because I'll be able to find a window where someone else will take it off my hands if I want to move it. But not all leagues are like that. Right. So I think it's important to have that assessment in the back of your mind. Is this a league where nothing gets traded? Yeah. Like you're the dummy that takes on Deshaun Watson and in three years you've been trying to trade him for three years and no one will buy him because all other 10 managers have said they hate him right. and they never want him. Right. So in that case, maybe you don't take the, it's not about value. It's about something deeper, but you really can't analyze that in one back and forth exchange. That's right. That's right. And that's what happens. And then you get quote unquote stuck. And I, I, I do think of it sometimes like, I don't know. I don't want to say it's easier to play with good or other good managers. It's actually easier to play against, you know, um, shitty managers. That's, flexible, but, flexible managers is what agnostic managers, yeah. managers that are willing to, to deal on all sides. Yes. If they can find some angle, it's not. Yeah. You don't want biased, inactive people because then you're hard. just going to get stuck. Yeah. And, yes, and you'll generally stuck. beat them, but it's like you, you just, it's harder to transact with them. So you just watch them rot a lot of times. Like there's a lot of teams you just watch <laughs> rot and yes. you're like, Yes. All right. Well, you're going to, you're not going to win. I know that. But uh, because I even like, because even the trade that, you know, you say like, like I'm willing in a, in a few spots to trade Kirk Cousins, you know, plus for, and I've mentioned this again, Scott, and I can't, if you're not going to the playoffs and I'm, and you hold Gino and I have Kirk Cousins and I'm willing to give you Kirk Cousins for Gino, I'm telling you any profit that I give you is free to you because in one year, not in one year, but you know, in the off season, when it's time, when August comes around and we're right about ready to play Gino and Kirk cousins are going to be in the, in redraft or in dynasty equal, equal value. They're equal. Maybe even Kirk cousins more valuable because I think he's better. So you'll be able to, you'll have, you'll literally have the better quarterback next year. And not only that, but it actually does behoove you because most leagues are max PF or somehow if you lose, at least you can tank with dignity. You you lost a player that's scoring points for you now. So your draft pick just improved. So like taking on Kirk Cousins and giving me a contender, Geno Smith, is better for you. But sometimes they're like, dude, no, I don't know, man. It's like Geno's still in, in Kirk is hurt. It's like, how do you explain this to some people sometimes? I know this happens, right? I know this happens out there because it happens to me in some of the leagues I'm in. Obviously, it wouldn't happen if I sent you that. You would literally have this conversation and be like, all right, man, I'm willing to do this because it helps me here. But here's what I'm looking – you know, you'd actually have the quantifiable response of here's the value that I need in order to make this thing work for you because you need it more than me. And I'd be like, you're right. You know, I, I would admit that because I want to win. I would see the – the other angle to why it would benefit me. Yes. And I would probably come back to you and say, Hey, kick in a second or something, make me feel like I won or made mm -hmm. me feel like I got something extra. Yep. And you know what? Being on both sides of that transaction, as we both have probably been losing some Kirk cousins, losing some Aaron Rodgers, losing some Watson, losing some Daniel Jones, whoever it might've been, you were probably going, all right, I'm walking into this knowing that I have the lesser valued asset. Yeah. I'm asking for a direct replacement at the same position. And I may even be asking, I mean, if it's earlier in the year, you may even be asking a team 
to break up a possible contender on their end yeah. just for an exchange of value. So you know you have to bring some extra value to the table. I will say now that we're in week 11 yeah. that you should know the teams that are willing to basically say, I don't care about the rest of this season. Yes. And I'll just throw this out to the listeners. If you are in a max, I'm glad you brought up max points for potential points because yep. that's huge. As soon as you frame this deal next year, you know, Scott, you're going to give me Kirk Cousins. Let's just say it's a third, a third, not a second, a third. Kirk Cousins, a third, and the 102, or Geno Smith in the 103. Right. There it is. The one slot, you're going, damn, man, that might even be worth a damn Geno Smith itself, let alone a third. Of course, of course. So the, And I'll say this, one thing that I've been doing – and maybe I shouldn't say this on the pod because people continue to fall for it. The teams that I've had that have fallen out of it, I just sent a team, no joke, I won't say what team it is. I know they play in a, a couple different leagues and whatever. But So I'm fighting them for the 102. Yes. Okay? I'm at 101 or 103, they're at 102. I'm trying to catch them in potential points. Yeah. Okay? I send them this week. I send a Michael Gallup, Devin Singletary, Daryl Henderson. Just I just... Give them to them. All I need back is a fourth. You know, and the team's two and eight. They're two and eight. I'm I'm three and seven and two and eight, or they're two and eight. I'm three and we're both miles out of it. And they take it. They accept it. Yeah. And then I go, okay, they're not going to start those guys. I've already tried to flip those guys for weeks and no one wants them. Right. So I'm like, you know what? I can't even get a third for Devin Singletary. Someone should pay a third for Devin Singletary. They should. But if they're not, He's killing me on my bench or yes. in my lineup. <laughs> yes. So you know what? The alternative to me getting some value is let me throw him on that other team that I'm chasing for a draft pick. And, you know, I've I've done this a couple weeks in a row and I've made up points. And yes. I go, man, you're really going to let Devin Singletary get in the way of a 104 to 103 trade? Like yes. you would easily do and, that and, on and the clock, even worse. if you're wrong. It could be worse for him. He oh, could go from 102 to 105 or 106. He could get himself out of the – he could have Correct. totally screwed himself. Now, it, it only helped you maybe one spot, but it could hurt him multiple spots. And, yes, this is all the stuff where it's like, you know, when you're seeing all this, and, and this is why people listen to this show and your show. Uh, by the way, your show's great. You're at Destination Debbie. I didn't mention it. Everybody knows. I feel like, um, yeah, follow Scott Connor at Charles Chill FFB on Twitter or X, whatever the fuck Elon calls it now. And of course, at Destination Debbie and at Trades in Five. Can't say enough about that. And I'm going to give you my answer to your question right after this. Scott, here's the, here's the, here's the truth of it all. When it comes to these leagues, you know, you and I and the listeners that we have are are starting to see it all like a web, like a, like like the, the the whole map is in front of them. Whereas some and many many dynasty players play it in a, such a binary fashion. Does this trade win? To, oh, do I like? And it's just it's only what's right in front of them, and they play the game that way. And I would just say this: there are t- this is important to me anyway. I think when you're playing, you even said it. You don't want to tell them. Don't. Tell them, don't teach them. You know, I'm teaching too many damn people with this friggin' podcast, but that's fine. I'm that's the utility of what the fuck we're doing on the mic. But the, the people who don't listen to this type of show and aren't consuming this type of thought process, do not be the guy in your DMs teaching them how to do this. Because if you say, hey man, I'm just trying to shut the fuck up. Be the only guy in your league who sees all these plays so you can extract all these advantages. 
We talk about it all the time, Scott. Theo and I have talked about it. Where are the edges in you know DFS, fantasy football, et cetera? There are still edges in Dynasty. There are still edges that you can take advantage of in Dynasty, and here they are. Yeah, there's there's definitely a urge when you're in one of those interactions where you're trying to send somebody something, which I've talked about this a lot, where you identify some sort of extrinsic value in a reason you're doing a trade. Like you've seen the potential points thing, or you're looking ahead at draft picks, you're looking ahead at how things are going to be valued in a year from now, and you're sending a deal and you're kind of just crossing your fingers to hope that the other person sees all the angles as well. Yes. But when it's clear they don't, there's many times where I'm tempted to jump in the chat and berate them or just type out a paragraph as to why they should be doing this. Or And you see it in your leagues. You'll see somebody going, you know, yeah, man, you should be selling off all your assets to tank for your draft pick. or you, And they'll just say it openly to everybody. Yes. And I've had to hold back when in my own leagues saying that because I don't want to give away what I'm trying to do necessarily, but it's not that hard to figure out with some of the deals that I make. Like if you just went in and said, okay, here's the last four or five moves that you've made, you could probably figure out the direction. And then as content creators, I do talk about this stuff on my shows. I will say, Hey, be looking at this. If you are, you know, the the teams you should be doing the most work on are the ones that are at the bottom or the ones that are at the very top. And it's not just trading away players or buying players. Yeah, It's looking at, okay, let's say I have a really good team. Where can I... Because, you know, you can only maximize your odds of winning the title so much going into the playoffs. Yes. There's still going to be an element of, I got to pick the right players. I got to have the right things happen on the field. The variance has to go my way. Yes. So if you have a contending team, I see a lot of contending teams. They're like, I'm a contender. I'm good. I'm just going to sit set my lineup every week and wait. Yeah. But a lot of times as a contender, you should be going, damn, my team's already stacked. I already have the best team. I'm going to get a buy. I have the most points in the league. That team should be looking at, what can I sell? How can I trim down some of my margins and kick some of that value to the future where I don't have to worry about selling some of these pieces later on? There may be a buyer right now that's willing to bet heads up that they can beat me and all I do is give them a piece that it may help them, but it's not crippling me by trading it away. It's the old, I have Tyler Lockett, I'm in first place. That's a guy, you know, if someone will give you a 26 second, you should probably take it. But you're going, as a contender, man, I don't want to sell Scott Tyler Lockett because he's in third and I'm in first. What if Tyler Lockett hits his lineup and scores 30 points and beats me in the semifinals? I'm screwed. What is yeah. that 26 second going to do? But the reality is I probably don't need to start Tyler Lockett. And if he does that for you, great. But there's just as good of a chance that he scores eight points in that game. He hurts you. Yes. I beat you. You gave me a second for no reason. That's right. And I cashed out on a player that I would have never needed. So I think looking at it that way, same with the teams at the bottom. You should always be looking at how can I maximize my assets in the future. Maybe I even buy a player. Maybe I'm the tanking team that buys a Deshaun Watson right now. Yes. But I'm looking at it like I don't care about the right now, so I take advantage of the fact that other people have different agendas. So I think it's a great point about not educating everybody on how to do it this way. Yes. But at the same time, be be always think there should never, the worst thing you can do is just be stagnant. That's right. And not always be looking for an edge. There's always an edge somewhere. There's an edge in activity. That's right. There's an edge in activity. I love that. That should be a fucking t-shirt. 
that goes that goes that's a new bumper sticker with uh zero shares zero cares and uh be ready to be wrong there's an edge in activity there's no doubt about it man that one's good man you get whenever you're talking i'm thinking about a million things and you're right about i want to ask a question about the, the 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 teams at the top but i also you got me thinking about you know when you said teams at the top teams at the bottom i thought about what about teams in the middle i think there's two types of teams in the middle and I've heard a lot of people say, if you're in the middle, you got to you know, tank down. Blah, blah. There's two types of teams in the middle. Teams in the middle are often teams that were good and are starting to age out or teams that are like fledgling rebuilders. And it's important not to get frustrated with a fledgling rebuilder. You know, allow that thing to to marinate. That, that team, sometimes you just, you're stuck in the middle, stay there, get a, get the 106, Add that motherfucker to your team or whatever. You know, in other words, you don't have to necessarily tank down to a lower pick. Maybe you trade that pick, but you get my drift. You don't have to necessarily work on moving that pick down. You can, you can kind of just stay there. I've got Garrett Wilson and da da da. These are the, these are building block pieces. I'm going to push forward. And then there's times where you just look at it and go, no, this team needs to be blown the fuck up. I need to sell as many things as I possibly can for picks so that I can put as much value in the iron bank so that I can go from there and, and build. So I was, that, that, that had me thinking. So make sure you self-identify your team correctly so that you can make the correct direction. And once you're in the correct direction, then all of your moves feed that direction. You got me thinking about a couple of questions that we got um, on, on Twitter, and it's about teams at the top. And you started with it, so I'm going to ask the one the one question that had come in that um, earlier. So this is um, you know last week me and Chalk even talked about it, but I'm going to ask you it this way: the the, the guy said to me, and I, I politely disagree with him. He's a good dude, but he said if you're a, a contending team, uh, you know, a true championship contender, maybe even with a buy or whatever. And you don't sell all your draft picks for to load up to make sure that you're the absolute shit team, the best team, then you're doing it wrong. I disagreed, but I'm curious to hear your response to that that notion. It's a simple idea, but I think it's an extremely complex answer. I think you have to have a very good grasp as to it's called in the the medical world, it's called maximal medical improvement. You're talking about somebody's condition where mm. they've basically they have improved as much as they're ever going to improve. Mm-hmm. Now, does that mean they have no no aches or no pains or they don't need a future surgery down the road, et cetera? No. But it also means a doctor has looked at them probably multiple times, probably someone independent that has no agenda or no dog in the fight and has said, this person's probably as good as they're going to get from going to that chiropractor or taking that physical therapy. It's not going to help you anymore. It may make you feel better. There might be a little bit of a placebo effect where, hey, it feels good to go to therapy or go to the chiropractor. But from a functional standpoint, you are not going to get in any better condition than you are today. So if you translate that to Dynasty, it's not as easy as somebody just looking at your team and going up. It can't get any better, (laughs) right? right. Yes, but there's a a concept there. There's a concept there. There's a concept. And we don't know what's going to happen over the next six weeks. So easily a team today that looks amazing, unbreakable, unstoppable in two weeks could have three or four holes where it's leaking from different places. But I think you have to do an assessment. And this is where some of the rules come into play. What's your trade deadline look like? How many sellers are there? What's the market like? But I think you do have to have an analysis with your roster construction, with what the settings and the scoring and how many starters there are. You have to go, okay, I'm in a 12-team start 12, and I have a nice core of 13 to 14 pieces. 
and it's a week before the trade deadline and it's three weeks before the playoffs, assuming you have a trade deadline. Yeah. There's only so much you can fix at that moment. Right. If the trade deadline's in week 13, you can't fix four injuries that happen between week 14 and week 16. Right. If those happen, that's bad luck. You can't over-insure yourself. So really what you want to be looking at is, have I hit that MMI point? Have I hit that point where, I remember Adiko's numbers from three years ago where he said, basically, you never, I mean, barring just you have every single player and it's a best ball or something like that, you can really never enter a three-week head-to-head playoffs with more than like a 40% chance of winning the title. Bingo. There so if I'm looking at my team going, damn, I'm about close to that 30 to 40% where I'm the favorite or I'm going to get a buy and I have enough firepower, you can't get any more than that. That's what right. you're asking for is to basically predict the results. So if your team is there, that's where you have to have a serious discussion about why trade my picks. Bingo. In fact, maybe I get another pick <laughs> just so I can sustain that for another year Bingo. instead of go, well... There it is. I don't have enough depth, so I'm going to go trade for you know this running back to back up my Josh Jacobs because I don't know if he's going to last the rest of the year. So let me over-insure him by buying another running back, which yeah. is going to be impossible to sell if that happens. So I think that's the concept. You have to look at your team with a true assessment, not rose-colored glasses, but also not with a panic. I've seen people, Scott, do this before where they look at their team I look at their roster. I'm like, yeah, just ride it out, man. You may win the title. You may not. I go, well, you know, I don't have a fourth quarterback in case two of my others go down. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, if, if we get to your fourth quarterback or even your third quarterback, then sorry, shit yeah. didn't go your way this year. Yeah. You know, if we get to your third tight end and you need to go get another one just to make sure, things probably didn't go your way. But you don't want to pay for that insurance policy you've already owed you're over insuring your team basically yeah, i work like, in insurance you, so if, that's something if, i always if you, talk about if you have like if you have like cd lamb and aj brown and michael Pittman, and you're like you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna sell michael Pittman and all my my future first for tyreek hill i don't i don't think that's a good move you know it's like is that no, gonna no. increase your increase your odds maybe i i don't even know i would never do something like that and that's the sort of what's saying that eludes to that you should be doing you mentioned something unless it's a best ball league then it's different because now you're it, the more you know uh, players viable players you have the higher probability of, of of having the highest score you then get so that's a little bit different and you know but of course there's still strategy within that but if we're talking about a managed lineup i couldn't agree more you said it perfectly with the 40 percent chance to win and you know that math could be moved here or there but that's about right um, you know, even if you're a heavy favorite in each, you know, your 60, 40 favorite, well, that, you know, you run that three times or two times. Yeah. You, you've only got a so, so, so big a chance of winning the whole thing. Well, and here's an easy example. Someone actually asked me the other day, uh, Hey, I, I, should I give up? And it wasn't their own pick. So that was another thing. They were holding what appeared to be like a, a bad playoff pick. So yeah. probably a one Oh seven, one Oh eight. Right. And they asked, well, I have Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen. Should I give up that pick for Sam Howe just in case Lamar doesn't stay healthy? Because he hasn't stayed healthy the last three years into the playoffs. And I was like, okay, do you have any other QBs? And they happen to have a couple other like backup QBs, like a Heineke or whatever on their bench, right? But the question is basically, I'm not starting Sam Howe over Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen, most likely. No. You've already pot committed to those two quarterbacks, right? Right. But they were asking 
two weeks before the trade deadline, should they give up that first for Sam Howe now to park him as their QB3 just in case Lamar gets injured again? And it's almost like they're trying to protect this nest egg over here. Man, yeah. this is a great team. If, if Lamar goes down, I'm screwed. But that still doesn't mean you go, well, I'm going to sell everything for the backup at every spot. That's you right. know, like if, if something happens in the next two weeks and you can bail yourself out if you have to, I'd be no problem with doing that deal if Lamar went down and he was going to be out. Yeah. Neither of us would care. We, we'd <laughs> right. sacrifice the first, but doing it preemptively. It's almost like starting a business and you're going, I need $5 million in insurance. Well, how much is your business worth? Ah, 500K. Yeah. Well, well why do you need 5 million in insurance? It might, get, you know? it might take off. Might take it, off this it, business. It might, <laughs> but I'll get the insurance when it takes off versus <laughs> overpay for it now. And a lot of people do that. A That's lot of right. people go, and, and on the contrary, they can't sell to the other teams that shouldn't be buying insurance from them. You know, That's they right. won't sell a random player to a quote unquote competitor. And I'm like, you know, you won't sell them this random running back. Are you going to even start that running back? Nah, maybe if I have two injuries, maybe right. Well, liquidate it. You know, yeah. get, it, he's not good enough to be in your lineup. You shouldn't be scared of your opponent using him against you. Right. That's the logic. Yeah. And it's like, um, you know, you, you said it, uh, me and Chalk have mentioned this, you know, what, if you, if you were in the championship game and, and you didn't even get Sam Howell, but I could just say, Hey, if you give up the one Oh seven, I guarantee you'll win the championship. You do it. It's not to say that the one Oh seven is too steep a price to pay for a championship. It's just to understand that that's such a weird, like, you know, uh, thin line of getting to that point where it might matter or might not. And you, you just, if, if you're thinking that way, you're really thinking like, too, too many uh, issues that could happen. It's like, well, what about your running backs? Have you done that with all your running backs? I mean, why don't you just buy JT or something? I don't, I, th- those things never cross my mind. I really don't like to protect my lineup that way either. Um, I get it. I mean, but I would probably even go for something way cheaper, like a Gardner Minshew or something, or, or is there a, ba- Oh, Tyler, exactly. Huntley. Buy Tyler Huntley. Exactly. For That's the guy to buy in that case. Like, you know, I've actually sniffed around Tyler Huntley and a few Lamar Jackson teams because it's like, Hey, what the hell do you care about Tyler Huntley? You know, and then of course they'll look and be like, Oh, you have Lamar. Like, and they'll try and squeeze you go, look, I'm not paying a stupid price, but if you want to take profit for the guy that doesn't matter to you at all, but could matter to me, I'll give you that. But other than that, go F yourself. But like to me, mm-hmm. Tyler Huntley would be the guy to, to buy, you know I mean? But anyway, that's just my two cents. No, that's, I, I love how you articulated that because yeah. basically you're trying to buy insurance for the worst case scenario, but really it's just a, what are the odds that it happens? Yeah. And you know what? If I have to rely on the insurance, I hope I have it, but I definitely don't (laughs) want to pay more in insurance premiums than I'm even covered for. So yeah, it applies to dynasty. I think those are really good analogies. The Huntley one is awesome. Like that, that's something I'll be talking about more when I do my uh, upcoming roster construction series, man, there's something about the dynasty market right now where I've found myself more and more. I go look at what's on waivers and I look at some of the players that I'm rostering, even backup running backs, yeah. where I used to be in any running back on a 53 snob, right? If yeah. you're on a roster, I'll roster you. But I've gotten a little more selective this year. Yeah. You know, there's some running backs that are on 53-man rosters, and I go, I'd never play the guy. Yeah, never. I'd never start him. Yep. Never. He's on a shitty team. If there's an injury ahead of him, they're going to use three guys behind him. So yep. it's like, I'm never going to start Tony Jones. Or I don't care Tony what Nwongo team he's on or what or backfield yeah. he's in. Yeah. Correct. 
So let me cut that guy. And you know who I'm going to roster? I don't know. Bailey Zappi. Yeah. Cooper Rush. You know, yes. at least I have the insurance and I have a lot of teams now where I'm rostering eight, nine, ten quarterbacks. And I don't give a shit about most of them. But I'll tell you what, if Patrick Mahomes went down Mike tomorrow, White. there'd be people going, man, I'll give you a third for Blaine Gabbert. Yes. You know, I mean, well, Blaine Gabbert's awful, but <laughs> yes. he has he has more utility, I think, in a hectic market than Kenny Nwongo. Than, yeah. Yeah. And some of these running backs yeah. that are buried and forever buried, no one would ever even consider trading for him. But you're right. Any quarterback that goes down in a halfway, I mean, people were paying for Brett Rippon. Yep. They were. And his own team cut him two days after he after he had a start that was awful. But the point is, people were like, I mean, I, people are trading fourths for Tommy DeVito. I've seen, I saw Tommy but, DeVito pick up uh, some some uh, some fab bids, and I was like, Ooh, you got to be down bad to yeah. be uh, dipping your toes in the DeVito pool. But it's true. Like I, I do like the handcuff quarterback idea. You know, I do kind of do that a bit. Um, if there's a clear one, you know, sometimes you don't know. I, I you know whether it's. DTR or PJ Walker or something you can you can kind of you know have the wrong guy at some point but you know I think Tyler Huntley's a clear one Mike White's a good one Cooper Rush I've I've got a few Dak shares and I've slid Cooper Rush onto my uh, onto my roster I picked him up um, off waivers and I think I dropped the shit running I think I I think I picked up Cooper Rush for Keyshawn Vaughn to your point perfect example of a guy that has actually had opportunity almost every game this year, but you're like, I'll never play him. He's never going to play. Chase Edmonds in the same backfield. He's on your team, but you look there and you go, the dude hasn't scored more than four points in (laughs) like two years. When would I ever play him? I would never have the confidence in the one week he probably scores 20 to ever have him in there. So why do I have him on the team? Doesn't make any sense. Cooper Rush is so much more valuable to Dak team. I mean, absolutely. So yeah, I'm with you a thousand percent. Um, you know, this was a good question we got on Twitter. Uh, does your willingness to lose value in a trade as a contender change depending on how large the payout is for a league? I, I like this sort of as a concept, despite the value of the league. Um, I've said this many times, Scott. I know that you probably have echoed sentiments of this nature, but I've said you're either buying production or you're buying value when you make it when you make a dynasty trade. Sometimes I'm buying production. You know, I might buy Tyler Huntley. You know, if I lose Lamar, I'm going to lose value in that deal. I already know it. I know it for a fact. You know, if if Lamar goes down today and I'm trading for Tyler Huntley, I'm going to have to give up a second. What did I just do? I'm not buying any value. The value, he's buying value. I'm buying production. So, of course, I'm going to overpay for fucking Tyler Huntley, man. Yes. Now, if the stakes are higher, I I, I guess that makes it a little bit more important. What do you? What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I do think the the reality is the dynasty game we play right now. Probably ninety to ninety five percent of players are almost valued as to what they can produce. Like, think about this exercise. We're three months past right now. We are in the midst of Senior Bowl, trying to figure out where to kind of start tiering all the draft prospects. And you have no direction for your team in 2024. So I go, Scott, what are you going to do in 2024? And you're not like, I'm 100% going to win the title. Like, I know this is my year, right? Starting from scratch, how many players would you want at that moment purely for their ability to drive the market over the next six months? So I'm not even saying like, hey, yeah, sure, I'll have Mike Evans on my roster because someone may buy him during the season. I'm talking about from February to August. 
how many players do you want on your roster purely for the supply and the demand or the market value? And the player pool, the list is very slim. Go through that exercise and go, yeah, I don't really care about that player in the offseason. Maybe in the future they'll produce. Uh, well, almost all the running backs. But but give me almost an every running what back. What you mean by how how they're how how that works? Because I, I think I understand. But as a listener, expound upon the the concept just briefly. Okay, so production doesn't matter. Future production doesn't matter. How many players in Dynasty do you actually just want because of what they're worth on the open market? Because you think their value will about- increase from February to August. Is that what you're saying? It, either increase or more flexibility. Maybe there's something that comes up that changes from March to July that I have a piece where I can go to the market and say, Hey, I'm willing to offer that up. Right. And somebody is going to go, okay, I'm willing to consider that in a deal. Now, obviously production, as we get closer to the season is going to become more valuable to people. We all understand that. But what I'm saying is the season ends and we know we're going to have seven and eight months of just, dead land right there's not any points being scored and there's very few buyers that's why you see some of the veterans go for cheap during the rookie draft because people are like well i'm not sure if i'm going to need this guy i'm not sure what his price is going to be that's right how many players we're further away from production that's right yes excluding all production factors would you say yeah i just gotta have that asset on my team right yeah not very it's many. less it's less than 50 right yeah it's less than 40 probably right. and you're going out ah, it's a good player but do you do you really i'll give you an example that i think is a little triggering for people in the off season after this year forget about how the rest of the year plays out do you really care about having george pickens on your team mm-hmm. he's there someone may like him but he's not a player where you go, hey, I want to trade George Pickens. And it's like within a day, I get whatever I want for him, you know, or I get what I want for him. And that's what I mean. He's not irrelevant. He's still a young player that has value. He's still a player that could get better. But as soon as the clock strikes midnight, he's going to be on your roster and you're like, okay, he fits a certain spot on my team. He's a usable receiver. I'm gonna probably not getting a first for him. I'm so glad you I'm so glad you brought up um George Pickens because Here's the here's he's the perfect example from my perspective, which is if you were to buy George Pickens, you're buying value, not production, because at this particular point, he hasn't shown that he's a productive player. His value exceeds his production. And and I'd argue that if you're buying George Pickens right now, you're not even really buying value. Right. You're, You're just you're buying on speculation That's my point. that someone else may value him maybe not even more yes. than what you're valuing him differently than what you're valuing him. You're going, man, I really would love to get a share of old, you know, Xavier Worthy next year in the rookie draft, right? And you know that no one is ever going to give you Xavier Worthy for Keenan Allen in May. Right. But they may, you may get to the table with George Pickens in that deal. Yeah. So you give up Keenan Allen for George Pickens. If you don't care about Keenan Allen's production, you've now pivoted to something for a reason of, I would bet you George Pickens doesn't even get you the pick that Xavier Worthy goes at, but it but gets you in the taken. conversation. That's a great way to say that, man. And it's it's like the value, that's that's a, exactly correct, where Keenan Allen probably doesn't get you the pick, but George Pickens does add value later. 100% love that. And what happened is we saw this with Puka Nakua. Puka Nakua went from a fourth or fifth round rookie pick 
and the value went to unknown. We didn't know exactly where. So everywhere along the way, people were were making value trades to say, oh, this is the end of it. It's going to change or whatever. You know, everybody's saying, look, if you can sell for a second, remember the time, but if you can sell for a second, you got to do it. And that was wrong. And if you can sell for a first, you got to do it. Well, that was kind of close to right, but not quite right because he probably sold for first plus at some point. So the value that you're trying to sell at some point, you're not exactly sure. Now I bought him as, as a production asset. I think I sold JSN form that might've been a little bit of a, of a, of a mistake. Who knows? But I was buying production because that's a win now team and JSN, whatever. Right. So, so I didn't buy him on value, although I did of course early and then, held uh, i've got a lot of puka but you get my point that was a value uh uh evaluation well and then you have people that and that, that i love that example because then you had people going i oh, mean i'd give up two first for him he's wide receiver eight in dynasty and then then you're looking at the going man at you probably were a little bit over your skis <laughs> yes. if you did that and yes. so it, it settled in a range where He's probably somebody, and he's probably uh, a little a year behind George Pickens. Where if you have him going into the offseason, he's going to start a conversation. So I think yes. the majority of young players, players that you can say, yeah, that guy has room to grow from a value perspective. Really, what you're saying is they maintain their flexibility on the market until they don't. Yeah. And as soon as a guy disappoints or he gets a year older or a situation gets a little worse, they lose that flexibility. But a lot of times we're not even trading for production, right. but we're really not even trading for value because the value is the value is what it is. A lot of people are going to go Puka Nakua's value is probably around what his value is. Yeah. But what can that do? That the value in the form of Puka Nakua versus the value in the form of a future first and second. They're different. One may get you to the table. Yeah. One may not. And a lot of times that's what we're trading for. You're trading to maintain. And McNamara has said this a lot. One of the downfalls that he had experienced early in his dynasty career was when you build towards maximal production. So you're, you're punting running back, you know, you're going as gross as possible at receiver. What happens to your rosters when you get to the, the fun trade market time? You got nothing. Your roster doesn't have that much market viability. That's right. You're going, well, no one will trade with me, yep. but I know my roster is built correctly to exploit the flaws of how the scoring is going to probably play out, but I need to wait until August to really take advantage of that. Yep. But in May, I, have no I don't have the team yep. that can go, right, I can't go buy rookie picks on the clock. I can't go buy younger production. I don't have anything. I've got Amari Cooper, Mike Evans, and Tyler Lockett. They're, nobody wants them. It's done. I'm, but I'm you gonna, want them. Yeah, You're going, I ain't yeah. selling those guys for a third. I, but you know what? I'm running it back another year. That's right? right. I got no value. I've got all production. There you go. That's exactly right. And yep. and so I think when you start to understand that, that's what happens with, with certain trades where you're like, okay, I know exactly what I'm buying and I'm buying production. I, I think uh, being aggressive uh, buyer – I don't know. I, I made a tr I made a value trade in uh, in the league. Maybe we can talk about it in a moment. You and I are first and second in the Dynasty Game Theory Invitational. I'm undefeated. My roster does not look like that of an undefeated team, I don't think. But um, in that league, I made a trade preseason on the value hype of Kenny Pickett. And I traded Kenny Pickett for a 2024 first 
which is now going to settle around the 106, which I'm very delighted about. And I got Aiden O'Connell thrown into that deal. Um, and that is now I'm getting the production from Aiden O'Connell should I need it uh, and replace the Kenny Pickett production. And I have the 24 first. I made a, a value bet. Now, a lot of times, very good quarterbacks sell for much more than a 24 first. So the the, the other manager in this case was betting on the on the value will will go up because the production will be there. We hadn't seen the production commensurate with either of that, uh, you know, multiple first or first, but certainly that was could have been considered a buy low for that that dynasty manager. In this case, he wished he could undo it. You know what I mean? He wished he could have a redo. So that's a value sell. Well, you know what's funny is if you remember, I was coming after your Kenny Pickett yes, in that sir. league. I didn't want your pick. Now I had a better team, <laughs> and you didn't want my pick, so you declined, and you were like, "Yeah, you know, I think you said something of like it's a fair deal, but I, I think I can do a little bit better." So you declined. I already have Mahomes and Herbert, so I'm sitting there going, you know, I should take my own advice. Why the hell was I trading for Kenny Pickett? You did. You were making a mistake. Season? You were making a mistake, and I really wanted to say yes, but. Yeah. And what it was, was I was buying, I don't have hardly any Kenny Pickett. Yeah. I was buying into the, all right, I can flip my, what I thought would be a late first, right? I thought I'd be a top four team. You are. And then I can resell Kenny Pickett to a couple of these managers. You know, there's a couple people in there like, like Shane, Shane will go hog wild sometimes. So if you have the asset that can make a deal, it's nice to have someone like him in the, in the league. So I'm going, man, if I can buy Kenny Pickett, and then maybe resell them, it would work out. Instead, what did I do with my first? Like a week or two weeks later? I don't remember, but I tell bought. Me. Oh, I bought Joe Mixon oh, and yeah. DeAndre Hopkins. Yes. Now on the surface, you'd go, oh, "That's a gross trade." Well, but you know what? Those guys have helped me to the nine and one record that I have. They've been, and you may say, "Well, those guys haven't been that great." But dude, this is a hard league to find good starters. And being able to throw in those guys, you know, 28 points a week between the two or whatever they're averaging, like, hell yeah, that was worth my 113. You know what I mean? Yes. So that was better spent to get that production than buy on the insurance or the safety or the value speculation of Kenny Pickett. So it worked out for both of us. The fact that you got a, a 106 for Kenny Pickett when you don't even need quarterbacks is... You know, that that's a massive smash for you. But the fact that I didn't do the deal, because I would have been stuck with, well, hey, anybody want this third QB that I have? Kenny Pickett? <laughs> yes. And it would have been, nah, I'm good. To the point where I wouldn't even have wanted to start him when I needed to start him. Yes. I'd rather start, you know, one of the six backups that I have if yeah. they're starting. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's a Kenny lesson Pickett, learned that I, worked out for both of us. Yeah, I have Brock Purdy in that league. And I, I think uh, Kenny Pickett was bringing more at that time than Brock Purdy was because there were still whispers oh, yeah. of Trey Lance and et cetera. So I was happy to keep that one. I also somehow, I don't, let me let's see how I got Josh Dobbs. This is incredible. Waivers. Oh, August 28th. August 28th. Josh Dobbs. 41 bucks. There we go. Josh Dobbs. And- and I'll tell you, between you, me, Justin Boone, there's like three or four people in there where sometimes I get you guys and sometimes you guys get me. But I'm like, shit, they picked up a guy when dude, Danny you know, Kelly. We, yeah, Danny Kelly. That's Fuck, it. Dude. They're, normally so they're good. picking up the they're picking up the speculative like next to be signed quarterback Ugh. off the practice squad, and I'm going hell. I, the one that I got sniped on was uh, 
Will Greer. Will Greer, dude. I so saw when, Will Greer get when, picked when, up. I'm like, what the fuck? He's well, QB4. I, I, people have caught Will Greer yeah. and caught him, but when he signed with the Cincinnati practice squad, yes. I'm going, damn, there's I mean, they got Jake Browning and an injured Joe Burr. I'm like, there's a chance they throw Will fucking Greer out there at some point. <laughs> you know, yes, so sir. I, I'm picking him up and I think Justin Boone picked him up like right before me, or yes. he bid it a dollar or two more. And I'm like, you got you gotta be kidding me. Yes. I'm gonna get him in every league. Except for this one. And it's like, holy shit, they picked up a guy like they're they're diving as deep as anybody. And yes. it's just like us four or five. There's yeah. other people that haven't made a move in a year, you yes. know, but yeah, it, it's a great league to kind of see like if you're on top of that league, Whew. knowing Danny Kelly and Justin Boone are also grinding the bottom of their roster. That's a good indicator of like who the hardcore players are. Right there. I, I love it too because you never know like we, us dynasty sickos we get, you know, in these leagues with a couple other, you know, uh, all, 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 you know, Hayden Winks is in that league, like really great minds, whether they're great dynasty players. I don't, I don't know how they play, but Danny Kelly and Justin Boone are like legit. They are grinding their cocks off in the fucking waiver streets of, you know, a relatively low stakes league. I mean, it was, you know, it's not a, it's not a very high stakes league. It's, it's, it's high stakes bragging rights. I think, I mean, you know, Nate list mm-hmm. went, absolutely hog wild and went won the won the league last year wire to wire undefeated i am currently undefeated i'm trying knocking on all the wood man i do not want to jinx myself but um you know that league i get uh hopefully i get um a chain back here i do i've got a lot of i got um you know goddard out khalil herbert um and what's his name uh kyron williams a chain i've got all these like dudes i'm like i could really use these guys all healthy for the playoffs if if i get everybody healthy for the playoffs i think my team will be okay other than that i've got i've got some holes as well i mean in a 14 team league there's no team that's like well this new elite there's just no team that good so yeah everybody's we play we play next week Oh boy! Which I think will determine who ends up winning the uh, the one seed. I think you got me in points by maybe ninety or so right now. But yeah, we play. No, you got me by one hundred and twenty, one hundred thirty points. But yeah, we play next week, and um, yeah, it's one of those leagues where I go set my lineup every week, and I'm going, okay, do I have enough usable guys? <laughs> it's true. Great. <laughs> I, you know, I got I got KJ Osborne on yes. the bench. Hell yeah! You know what I, I mean. I have been like, starting Roshan Johnson. I'm undefeated. I've started Roshan like mm-hmm. two or three weeks in a row. Like that's the thing with these sick 14 team deep leagues. You're like, dude, Roshan, come on, baby, catch some, yep. catch a fuck. I, I, I'm literally cheering for like four catches for 40 yards. If that happens, I'm like, great fucking week from Roshan. I'm not looking for. Just give me eight. Give me eight. Crazy. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, it's it's <laughs> Cur- uh, Curtis Samuel's healthy. Hell yeah, oh, he's fuck, in my dude, lineup. Yeah. You know, hell yeah, hell oh, yeah. yeah. What yep. are some of the other? Oh man, look at uh, you know Tyler Conklin. I love him. Chuba Hubbard, roll him out there every week. Kareem Hunt scoring touchdowns for me. These are actual players, yep. and and that's where your sort of thought process of you know uh, any running back on a fifty three. It, it it's it's still correct thinking and and I, I you know you kind of poo pooed it a little bit it's really just when you've seen that that particular player even if he gets opportunity or even if there's you know something I, I should say it the other way around even if there's destruction in front of him he likely won't get that lead opportunity you know Kareem Hunt always profiled that way Chuba Hubbard certainly profiled that way but you know when we see Keyshawn Vaughn you hang on to him for a little bit I think I might have him in that league too can I drop Keyshawn? No, I don't have him. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I look up and down. I have Deion Jackson and Jordan Mason and all sorts of Elijah Dotson, just hoping that if something were to happen, you've got some value at running back. So, 
here, here's another thing that I think is, you know, you and I were talking, um, you know, at the beginning of the show, some of the questions. I think this one is kind of, this is the one that's really changing the way that we look at dynasty from a macro level, which is the sort of the changing of the profile and the utilization of the running back and wide receiver position. Um, we've really been in a, 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 a changing uh, landscape of both of those positions over the last certainly couple of years. But even if you stretch it to 5, 10, 15 years or longer, you can see a metamorphosis of how running backs are used, what they look like, how the game is played, less contact um, allowed from, from the defense, wide receivers getting smaller, quicker, a dot shrinking, completion percentage increasing, right? We're just seeing all these sort of macro level things changing and how it affects us and how we see just a lot of things, roster construction, rookie draft, et cetera. So I would ask you, what are some of those things that that you're thinking about in terms of the landscape changing at the running back and wide receiver position? How are you viewing that? Well, I think you hit on a couple of them in the intro, but I, I think there's a couple things to take away and get ahead of this, like start changing your thinking now, because it's going to change as soon as we get to the off season, most likely with how we start viewing prospects. I mean, one thing you mentioned, the size of players. I, I don't think you're going to probably hear many people out there now talking about sub 200 running bound run, run sub 200 pound running backs are useless. No longer are you going to hear BMI associated with wide receivers. No longer are you going to hear things talking about speed scores. And that's going to be what determines if a player is going to be good or not. Uh, even draft capital. I mean, once you get to a certain point, I've been thinking about this, Ray and I have been brainstorming a way to kind of articulate this with some sort of tool for destination Devi, but where is the kind of cutoff point to where we start to say, all right, everybody after this point, and I think it differs at all positions, but everybody after this point, whether that's draft capital or whether that's the profile cutoff in a given rookie class, everything after this point, the only thing that then matters is the perception of the player. So I, I like this. I, I don't even think Sean Tucker's good, but everybody else likes him. So I have to put him in a certain range just because. And then the other thing is purely the opportunity. I don't care if this guy was a third-round pick and this guy was a sixth-round pick. None of that matters. I care about the immediate opportunity because I know in today's Dynasty game, immediate opportunity is what's going to drive short-term value. And players that are even good but not great, that have no opportunity or no production, they don't have any short-term value. And most likely, the way people play the game now, they don't have a lot of long-term value either. If they didn't have it at the beginning... We don't wait a year for the value to come. Now, there are players that their value returns, but I go, if you know, if you don't have any opportunity in year one, it's very hard for that player to then turn it up in year two. So I think there's that. The other takeaway, running backs, I've found that people are starting to get really wise with running backs and really do treat them like, what can you do for me now? Yeah. Now, there's some that are going to stay in their roles, and there's some that you can probably project to stay in their roles for multiple years. But the majority, I think it's what can you do for me now? The other thing that I think is interesting that I need to dive a little bit deeper into is the erosion and the spreading out of the secondary or the second, third, fourth wide receivers. And we're, we're sitting in a record time right now. I'll give my co-host on Trades in 5 a shout out on this, Shane Manila. 
Uh, we have nine receivers right now that are commanding at least a 30% target share. Mm. Like that's higher than it's been ever since we started to look at that data. It's usually around four or five, maybe less, two or three. We have nine this year. And then we have four others, guys that have done it before, like C.D. Lamb and Amon Ross St. Brown. Like They're right there. Like One of those could easily get to that 30% the rest of the year. Right. So you're seeing that, and then you're seeing the erosion of kind of the mid-tier receivers. After that group, it's kind of like just everybody else. And that everybody else is starting to expand further and further down the player pool. Yes. To where, man, it doesn't really matter. I mean, this has always been historically true from a production standpoint, but the value has started to reflect that as well. If I tell you, hey, Scott, I have a nice, shiny Marquise Brown or DJ Moore for you. Yeah. You're going to be like, damn, yeah, those are top 20 receivers. They're good. I like them. They're historic producers. <clears throat> but as soon as I present you a deal where you have to give me a guy that's a tier or two below them, you got to give me Romeo Dobbs and two seconds to get one of those guys. You're going, ah, man, you know, it's a 14 team start 11. I'll just keep Romeo Dobbs and start him. Yeah, right. Yeah. Because you understand the variance is probably going to go his way 40, 50% of the time against those other two. Why would you pay for that range of receivers? So you're going to start to see that. And then we have to be realistic. You know how hard it is to actually crack that top seven, eight receivers? That's right. It's easy to get into the Marquise Brown range. Yeah. All you got to do is be a decent player that gets some opportunity. You can even ride a hot quarterback or a good offense in that range. Yeah. Think a guy like Jordan Addison. Yep. Jordan Addison is the poster child. But then you look, he's wide receiver 10 on keep trade cut. My God, damn, man. Like He's up to the point where the next bet is he's, you know, Cooper Cup. He's AJ Brown. He's like, I don't know. I don't. That's not a bet I want to make. That's right. So I'm just more inclined to go. Let me go backwards. Yes. I can probably replicate that production and get an ad bonus. But then we get to rookie draft season. It's man, six first round receivers. They're all going to crack that top twelve. It, yeah. The numbers just say otherwise. So that's I think right. we're seeing an erosion of wide receiver twos, threes, and fours. Where it's really, I mean, have you heard my Gabe Davis analogy? I think you've been involved in a couple of the tweets on Gabe Davis where. <laughs> Have I? I'm not sure. No, I and don't I have, of course. My listeners are sitting there well, going, oh, here we go. Well, no, it's not It's not even about Gabe Davis and whether he's good or not. No, no, no of it course is. it's you're not. Doing yourself a di- you're <laughs> yeah. doing yourself a disservice of course. if he's on your roster and you're not just playing him every week. Right. So so either don't have him, Right. go sell him to Scott because he likes him, or get rid of the other shit around him so he's in your lineup every week. That's there right. isn't an in-between. The worst thing you can do is go – damn, I got three guys like Gabe Davis and I'm just going to pick one every week. Because on paper you go, damn, if I just pick the week where they go for 20 plus every week, dude, I love having all three. I'm going to get a 20 plus spot for my last flex every week. And then the reality is how often did you actually hit it? Yeah, That's the wide receiver two, three, four. That's this erosion in a nutshell where just make your decisions easier just because of the nature of the scoring distribution. Yeah. And, and, and for the record, I nailed Gabe Davis. I didn't, I didn't, I don't like Gabe Davis. I don't not like Gabe Davis. I nailed him. I said when he came out, mm-hmm. and, and this was this was interesting, I said uh, when he got drafted, I said I think he's like 80% uh, Kenny Galladay. That was my take, and that was bold. They were like, what? Because at that, when he got drafted, by the way, Kenny Galladay just signed his big contract. Like, he was good. Everybody's like, Kenny Galladay's good. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, he's a downfield, you know, but he's not as big as Kenny. I think he's probably a little bit faster. I mean, it, it was like – 
he's that he's that type of prototype and i said in the right offense okay now he now give me that prototype with josh allen there's upside well that was right there's he scored fucking four touchdowns in a game there, there is upside there is upside mm-hmm. however he's never really going to be a target earner okay yeah okay and i you know on my upside when i when i said he was going to be great that you know going into last year i said yeah somewhere in the 110 to 125 targets well he ended up at like 95 and had a high ankle sprain it's like all right. I was right about that too. I mean, you know, the upside was a bet that, Hey, if he has a couple of big plays in a few games here and there, he's a play. And I also said recently about Gabe Davis, like I, I have him in a 10 team league. Uh, I, I don't even want him. Like I'd sell him for a third or something. Like it doesn't matter. He doesn't matter in that type of format because you don't really want to start him maybe in a, in a perfect matchup type thing. You could have some sort of an upside play if you're, you know, not the favorite in a certain matchup, like, but I don't really want to roll him out every week because he's not that good a player or certainly not that good a fantasy asset uh, in a short roster, short, uh, you know, manager league. So everything about the utilization of Gabe, I've been correct about. And, you know, some people say I'm the Gabe Davis guy because of course the conversation comes around, but those who actually listen, understand exactly what you just said. And that's if, if he's in the, the, the dynasty game theory invitational, he starts every week, every week, he's an every week starter. And that is awesome, you know, because of the, the, the nature of things getting back to what we were talking about and just bending it back to the, the conversation. I just had to get that off my chest. Sorry about that. Um, is, um, is, is the, is the running backs I think is, is, is where I'm starting to really second guess a lot of things. And it's not just the size because we're seeing them smaller. That's happening. But the reason we're seeing some smaller backs is because we're not seeing as many, you know, just one guy is in the backfield. David Montgomery and Gibbs is another example where, look, if Gibbs were playing in 1992, who knows? You know, I mean, who knows if this guy is, is, is as valuable as he is in today's game? Probably not. I mean, he is awesome, so I'm not trying to take anything away from him. But you get the drift. It's, it's the way that teams are willing to utilize them where now it's basically two-back system for a lot of them. Um, you know, even the, the, the fullback, you know, I mean, the full lead back, like a Javante Williams gets spelled, you know, so you're not seeing as many of these guys who are, you know, there's there's only a few of them. And 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 so I think for those reasons, we have to look at the running back position different. I love the what you're saying about the wide receivers because you're 100 percent right. I think selling down at wide receiver, I, I, I did this recently or tried to with with Zay Flowers. It's like, you know, the, the values spiking on Zay Flowers, sell them for, you know, if you especially you could probably get a first. Plus, like way down, you could probably get a first in Dobbs for Zay Flowers right now, and it'd be like, okay, so re-roll, get the production, and move on. I think the conundrum is the exact same though at running back and receiver, and it's yeah. kind of what I was talking about with the decisions with Gabe Davis. Yeah, I'm more and more, especially in leagues that are a little bit deeper. Now you'll get people that go, well, that running back's not relevant in my ten team start nine. But the right. threshold, you the first thing you have to do first thing. is establish where the usable threshold is in your league. Bingo. First and then thing. adjust the market to that. You Until know, you've done that. We've talked about our, this, Scott. Our, I'm going to let you finish this. But we've talked about this at length on a pod before. So we, we tend to think that whoever's listening already knows this. Please say it loud and proud, clear mm-hmm. as a bell. The first thing you do is exactly what Scott's saying right now. Yeah. Establish whatever the usable threshold is. And there's millions of different ways to do it 
Uh, I'll plug Destination Devi. We have a war tool and a roster construction tool that'll literally show you the distribution of not just fantasy production, but it'll live you literally show you in a graph what that looks like in your league. You can sync your league. You can look at your three-year average of wins over replacement and or fantasy production. Just look at the graph. Where it starts to slope down and flatten off, that point is probably the place where you're like, all right, everything after that is replaceable. Right. That's probably my flexion point of like, okay, I want players above that, but as soon as you start going below that, and then you slap that on top of a keep trade cut value graph, if you could picture that in your head, and you go, all right, here's where they intertwine. This is probably the general ballpark. And of course, this is fluid because things change year to year, week to week. Yes. But here's the general ballpark of where running backs matter, receivers matter, tight ends matter, quarterbacks matter, flexes matter. Here's the general range in my league. 10 teams start nine or 14 teams start 13. The range is different. But generally, here's where they matter and they don't matter. Now you're working in those ranges and you're going, okay, how can I capture a player that produces here and gain value but is valued here yes and then you get into decisions where it's like okay at running back how good does it feel you mentioned a chain earlier how good does it feel to just go you know what i've liquidated all my running back value i've sold all my dog shit running backs like Najee harris and joe mixon right those are bell cows yeah but then you look at their production you're like uh, you know it's passable but man if i would have just started this guy and Steph, I would have started Gus Edwards over those guys. Every game, they would have got the same production, right? But then you find that line and you go, damn, man, it feels real good. Not just to throw Keaton Mitchell in and he scores 21 points, but to to sell everybody that has value above him because he doesn't have a lot of value because what? He's a 190-pound small school running back, right? So who would really think he's going to become more than just a eight-touch-a-game, hopefully he goes for a big play type of an option? But that's the line where you go, man, It and A-Chain was that. And maybe A-Chain becomes more. But he's still the guy where you go, what's he going to get, 12 touches? That's it. But but you know what? It, he's in my lineup. Yeah. And I'll live with the 12 touches. He's the Gabe Davis of running backs, but probably with a higher ceiling and more oh, consistency. Yes, for ceiling. sure, for sure. But you're right, though. But that's the idea. Is yeah, you're right. You, you get rid of the dead zone production where people are valuing things like workload. That's right touchdown opportunity things that i have no clue whether is going to come to fruition from a week-to-week standpoint but damn it, it it nothing hurts worse than when you go ah oh, man I, keaton mitchell won't get a lot of touches and then he's on your bench you go but man i you know i started damian pierce over him that yeah. was a mistake yeah and it's gonna be a mistake if you're using the model of scott who has the higher projection this week who has the higher floor who's gonna get more touches who's gonna get the goal line touches yeah. But then you go, really, in the end, there's no difference between the two other than how you deploy them within your roster construction. Yeah, and you can and, and here's the thing, it's like production and value. So George Pickens to Gabe Davis is a good one because it's like George Pickens and Gabe Davis will likely give you the same production, but one costs you much more. So if you can take George Pickens, turn him into Gabe Davis plus that's a good move. And there's probably, and I'm, I'm not thinking about who it is, but there's probably another guy who's cheaper than Gabe Davis. So you could take, take Gabe Davis, sell him for that guy, and you still have the same production. So you've got this one player that you've not lost any production, but you've gained all this value. Now, it's 
easier said than done. That's not an exercise that you can just go out and do tomorrow. Maybe you can, but the idea is understanding <clears throat> whether or not the, the, the production is commensurate with the value. And you brought it up with Jordan Addison. Now, if you're making a player take, me and Jordan McNamara had a legendary argument about C.D. Lamb, where he was basically saying what you just said about Jordan Addison, about C.D. Lamb, saying, dude, are we sure? Like, he's, you know, uh, wide receiver 10, is this? And I basically only had a player take as the argument against him. Now, I was correct, but he was right uh, from a macro level about identifying it's it's the Chris Olave thing. It's like, well, wait, Chris Olave was like the wide receiver five going into the season. And he's like the wide receiver 30 in production or whatever. I don't know. Maybe it's not even, I don't know where he's at, but somewhere in there he's, he's hasn't, he scored the same amount as Gabe Davis. There you go. You know? So it's like, you had to pay so much if you traded for Chris Olave this off season and you got Gabe Davis production. I'm not saying that they're the same player, not saying that at all. I'm saying you got the same amount of wins on your fucking fantasy football team with each of those players and understanding how to navigate that value uh, at the right moments to still keep the production of your team, but constantly be increasing your value. That, that is, that is what you do. And, and, and selling at the height is what you do. So right now selling Puka or maybe the week before or whatever, selling Olave this off season, selling Pickett this off season, being ready to sort of sell, sell George Pickens when he was as hot as he was selling Jordan Addison or Zay flowers right now. These are the moments where you can take advantage of these things and get commensurate value and keep your production moving. I think it's really important to just highlight what you just said, because you even admitted, hey, my C.D. Lamb take. I remember that show with Jordan where you guys talked about C.D. Lamb because yeah. I was on Team Jordan. I was on the, well, C.D. Lamb's target share through two years was only like 21%, and that doesn't project to be an elite asset. It just projects to be a good wide receiver too. Right. I was on his side. However, what we probably failed to realize is that really we were saying the same thing. You were just saying, I'm willing to bet on C.D. Lamb of all the candidates that are in that pool. Yes. I'm willing to bet on him over the other ones. You just mentioned Chris Olave. Now let's let's forget about where he went to. Let's just talk about how people are going to look at Chris Olave after this year. Yeah. Chris Olave, Jordan Addison, Zay Flowers, JSN. There's all these guys in that range. Really what I'm saying and what Jordan was saying is, it's unlikely more than one of those guys jumps into that next team. And he's right. You're, You're right. saying we're is, right. hey, yes. we're just playing the odds that, hey, yeah. it's very hard to go from wide receiver 15 to wide receiver 7. It's really hard to crack that next tier because those guys are all like Hall of Fame level players. And usually you see those pretty early or you see it once then people don't buy it, and then you see it again. You're like, all right, now Devontae Adams has had two awesome years in a row. I'm probably going to have to buy in. All we're saying is it's unlikely that more than one does it. Yeah. And you're saying, hey, I think I I think I can pick out the one that does. And then you even admit, hey, it's a player take. <laughs> yeah. I think he's the one yes. of the group. Yeah. And if you're right, you're right, you're wrong, you're wrong. But I think we're we're coming at it with the same data. Yeah. We're just betting, we're making different Jordan, in fact, is probably saying he don't even want to make a bet in that range. They're all sells. Yes. Because nine out of ten he's gonna win and one out of ten he's gonna lose. That's right. But he's gonna win on nine out of ten. And that's a lot of times how I play too. Yes. So very yeah. interesting way you you articulated that. Yeah, I mean, because look, at the end of the day, if I didn't respect the point, I wouldn't have had the argument. 
right? I mean, it's like, what am I going to argue? I don't argue with the sun. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm just not going to sit there and, and, and yell at clouds. Although I did, I did do that last week. Um, no, but it, it's really fun, man. And, and, and uh, I would ask right now, um, let, let me see here. How would I want to ask this question? I want to ask you, you know, when we, when we talk about the changing landscape of the running back position, all right, it's almost like now we should probably get into a player take almost a little bit. We, we look at it from a macro level. Now I look at the running back position. You know, we talk about value and production. We talk about production and value. Who do you think is like the most overvalued running back? And maybe follow that up and we'll have a conversation about the most undervalued running back. Um, and maybe there's a couple that you feel are in the same bucket, but like, I think when I think of overvalued, undervalued, you can call it buy sell, but ultimately it's like, Hey, where am I a little bit above consensus based off of whatever we're seeing happen? And it could be a little bit more of a player take, but what do you think about, uh, that? Oh, by the way, real quick before you do that, I want to do something for Quentin Johnson. You ready? Oh, there you go, Quentin. Enjoy it. Uh, so running backs, this this is where it gets tough for me because on the surface, if you ask, okay, what running backs actually have value aside from what they're producing for me right now? Hey. And my mind immediately goes to six of them, seven of them, maybe. Not many, that's right. Maybe not even that many. You start getting down to names like... Barkley, Eckler, Jacobs, like those guys are clearly just what what are they doing for me now? You know yes, what I mean? If they if those guys were out for the year, people would go, ah man, they're getting old. I don't really want them. Don't know where they're gonna play <laughs> next right. year. Yes, so, so as soon as you run the exercise uh, through your head, yes. if this guy was no longer playing this year, how much would you value him? And if all the if the first thing you come to mind is, Ugh, I yeah. don't know. <laughs> that that answers the question as the overvalued or undervalued. So I'd probably lump it into maybe there's six running backs that actually have true standalone. Hey, I'm projecting more of a career multiple years worth of production. I think by default, I'd have to say it's either Kenneth Walker or Brees Hall. But then I sit there and I go, man, like if I have Brees Hall and I try to trade him right now, no one really wants him. They'll take him. But it isn't like you're going out there and going, man, I'm getting his sticker price according to what KTC says. You know, yeah. you're, you're not including Brees Hall in a deal and the AJ Brown manager is going to listen. They're going like, yeah, <laughs> no, I don't, yeah. Even, I don't even want that running back. Right. You know, on the, the calculator will say, hey, that hey, Brees Hall gets you 80% of the way there to AJ Brown. Yeah. The AJ Brown manager goes, I'm good. I'll just start Justice Hill. You know what I mean? Like there. So, so it doesn't even get you to the table. So in that case, it actually has to be a running back that's probably seen as not only dynasty valuable, but also in demand. So is it fair that I'd say it's probably Travis Etienne? Yeah. Probably the guy where you could sell somebody on, hey, he's young, he's got the same role that he has now for at least another year or two probably, and he's also producing. That That's probably the one where if you can dump – and it sucks. It's hard for a title contending team to go, let me trade away Travis Etienne. But if you're truly talking process, like there's probably a window where he's seen as useful to everybody. Yeah. And that's probably the time to sell a running back, honestly. So that'd be my answer. I'd say Etienne would be the one. And you know what? He could have two bad games or get injured, and that changes overnight. Yeah. So that's how fickle it is. It is fickle. It's super fickle. I, 
Right now, I've found that I feel that Javante is one of the guys that I feel is undervalued. Um, I think he's, mm-hmm. he's you know, when I think about value at running back, and that for me, it's like, as you point out, like, if they got hurt right now, where how would you feel about him? Obviously, hurt is different because then, you know, if you said Javante got hurt, well, hurt is a big problem. But if, if somehow or another we're just taking the production aside, who's actually going to have more value going into next year? That's one thing. And then whose production for the rest of the year would also be maybe a little undervalued right now. So both undervalued in terms of production and value. I think it's Javante. Javante, you know, starting to take over a little bit as a, as a lead back. Um, Pirine gets a little bit of looks in that pass game. But other than that, man, they're, they're leaning on him. And maybe the offense isn't as bad as, as we thought it was going to be. Um, you know, they just beat the Bills. I mean, the, the, this Bronco team might be starting to roll into shape a little bit and be a little bit more punchy. They play against, you know, the Chargers and, you know, the Chiefs and all these sort of offensive teams where maybe they can get a little something going. They've got to score to win type of thing. And I don't know, man. I You know, I don't hate Javante. He's super young. Um, and I think he's a, a little bit undervalued in terms of, I think people have him as like an RB2 in Dynasty. I think he's a back-end RB1 in Dynasty, knocking on the door of the value of Kenneth Walker. In other words, you take Kenneth Walker, ETN, and trade him for Javante plus, I'm not so sure that's, I think that's probably just fine because I think the, the long-term prospects and the production prospects of those players are probably much closer than, than the, than the community has them right now. Well, let's dive into this a little bit. Cause I think it's fascinating because you mentioned Javante and I felt the same way and I didn't even like the player. I didn't like the potential outcomes. It actually worked out as good as it could have worked out. But I was saying the same thing when Jonathan Taylor was injured, mm. quote unquote injured, and on the pup list. Didn't there almost feel like a little bit of a calmness that if you invested in Jonathan Taylor, you knew there was going to be, it's almost like, especially if I didn't need the running back points now, because it was early in the in the season, there yes. weren't any bye weeks, there wasn't a lot of injuries. Didn't it almost feel, I mean, I literally said this, I go, Jonathan Taylor feels better because He's not out there getting killed every week. Yes. I feel like the best could be coming soon. And at running back, I'd rather I'd rather invest in the the best is going to come versus yes. it's already here. Yes, because I'm terrified of the already here. And it feels the same way with Javante, where maybe they're holding back a little bit this year. Maybe it changes a little bit if they start to contend because they're only a game back of basically being in the wild card hunt. Yes, but it almost feels like even if they fall out of it. There is, doesn't it? And maybe this is just gut feel. Yeah. Does it feel like there's a little upward trajectory for Javante coming over the next 12 months? Totally. totally. Now, when it gets there, if he's in where Kenneth Walker is, then I'll sell him. Yes. But <laughs> yes. The, the idea is it feels like there's upward momentum for him. Yes. And if I can invest in running backs, and especially, let's be honest, if they're not playing and I don't need them to play, even better, man. I love buying. I, I love buying a JT or two when he was running back ten. Because yes. I'm going, man. You're out here. You're paying higher prices than that for Ken Walker. I'm getting a better player or just as good of a player. The only thing I'm sacrificing is being able to put that player in my lineup. But it almost feels like I have the safer asset in the guy that's suspended or not playing. That's right. And that's where we're at at running back because it is so week to week. That I do when you mentioned Javante, I'm sitting here going, yeah, it does feel like Javante 
has some upward momentum or some future momentum that doesn't exist with even like Travis Etienne. Yeah. He's got blue like sky. He's like right now. Yeah. Right. Javante has blue sky because, you know, he could absolutely be in that look production. He could be right there with them. And then all of a sudden the value will catch up. Now, of course mm-hmm. we know anything can happen with these fucking running backs. I mean, yes. going into the season, who's the most durable running back? Nick Chubb. It's like, you know, it's like, dude, most durable guy, dude. He's not going to be the fucking guy has a rock. I mean, he's gonna- who who's the most injury prone running back hasn't missed a game or a snap DeAndre Swift. Yes, exactly. CMC or whatever right? what people would say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right. so you just never know in terms of overvalued running backs. I don't know. You know, the other one I like is Jalen Warren a little bit. I mean, I think he's starting to become maybe properly valued, but like, I think it's very clear that he's really good. He's sort of like Tony Pollard was where, you know, it feels so much like the Zeke Tony Pollard thing where they're not going to go away from him. He's sort of insulated from like taking on too much. Like I think that you, you said it, these guys get hurt when they just start to take on too much because then they're out there, they're tired, they're fatigued, their muscles are fatigued. Next thing you know, they're just, you know, they're stretched too thin. They, they hurt themselves. He can come out whenever he wants. You know, he's got, he's got this platoon and he gets a lot of targets um, if the team were good, my goodness, Jalen Warren would be an absolute stud. And there, it sounds like they're moving a little bit towards Jalen Warren is the 60% back. Najee's the sort of Zeke guy where they're like, here, we'll give you the end zone. You can score touchdowns, which is great for his value. But like, you know, really J- Jalen Warren is a hell of a nice player and still could be had. I think, especially if you were to sell one of these, you know, higher priced, even could you do Saquon for Jalen Warren plus? Absolutely, you could. It's just it, the problem is most managers when they see that trade, they know it. They're thinking the, <laughs> that. Well, they're not, not even that. Yeah. Let's say you're the one selling Saquon. Okay. Yeah. I have Warren. If you came to me and said, "Hey, I'm interested in the Saquon Jalen Warren deal," I'm going to listen. Here's the problem, though. In your mind. You're thinking Jalen Warren makes up what percentage of Saquon? Give me a number, one through a hundred. It might be a hundred. That's my problem. Like with Tommy DeVito, okay. like on, I'm saying this year, like you, I, we make a bet I, right I, now. I agree. I agree with you, but the person that's sending that offer, yeah, they're they've sought out Jalen Warren for Saquon. They're probably sitting there thinking, well, Jalen Warren is about forty percent Saquon. Okay. The person with Jalen Warren is going. You know, I'll listen, but I'm not really motivated to add to Jalen Warren to get Saquon. I understand I have to add just because of the names and the market, et cetera. Yes. But I'm thinking, okay, I'll give you a third, two thirds, maybe a 25 second or something like that. I'd listen to the 25 second. The Saquon manager is going, yes, the Saquon manager is going, man, you know, can I get a 26 first and Jalen, you know, so immediately the disconnect begins. Yes, sir. That type of deal rarely gets done. Yeah. Unless there's two convicted managers. Yeah. Because the sharp manager is going to go, man, yeah, I'd, I'd, I would take Saquon over Jalen Warren straight up. But one person sees it as 40%, one person sees it as 90%. Yeah, yeah, You're exactly. just never going to bridge that gap. Yeah, that's right. Those trades are hard, but I don't, I, you know, you, you said it with Saquon. I am terrified of Saquon, you know, you, honestly, because like he's getting a lot of volume, which means he's an injury risk. And he's not getting any production with the volume because the team is so horrible. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm holding him in in 
I forget which league, but it's a competitive league. I got him and CMC and like, if, if they had, look, I, we're begging for Tyrod Taylor to come back now. I mean, like I'm literally praying in that league that Tyrod Taylor comes back. Cause if he does actually, then this all kind of changes. Then Saquon's different. So, I mean, I think, I think Saquon as a player take is really tied to whether or not we can see Tyrod Taylor in the fantasy playoffs. I think that's a big part of it for me. I think I'd say three. One is going to have opportunity right now, but I think if he gets opportunity and he hits with it, I think there's a chance you see him just maintain that role. So I'm going to give you three names. I think Ty Chandler could be in this discussion in a couple weeks. Yep. Yep. He looked good. I think Rico Rico Dowdle is getting close to being in this conversation yep. to where, good you know, call. is it is it is that more of a 60-40, 50-50 than people want to admit? Yep. And then I think the other one that's still, I mean, it's going to take an injury, but I think the other one that would be capable of being a guy where you go, damn, it's week 16, and I love having this guy on rosters. Chris Rodriguez is another one mm. where that there's an injury, and it, like he can do what Brian Robinson's doing. It's true. And, and the team has no reason not to let him try. They clearly like Chris Rodriguez. You know what they talked about during the draft, how much they liked him, and they've put him on the field despite having Robinson and Gibson out there all year. They've still been like, man, we got to get this guy like four or five touches. So I think that's another one where all of a sudden you could look up in a month and go, man, I love having Chris Rodriguez on Washington. Because one thing about Washington, they don't give a shit. Yeah, they, they will put up fantasy points. Now, you may not know exactly where they're going, but that those three running backs, I think we could look up in a month and go, man, I love having those guys on rosters. And they're all outside the top 50 on KTC right now. And I mean, you know, I know you're a, I know you're a fan of this guy, but right now, would you give up Assuming you had one of those rosters, like our 14 team start 12, where yeah. you're looking for guys to start, would you give up your boy Kendra Miller for either Ty Chandler or Rico Dowdle? Probably not, but I appreciate the look. I, Kendra is tough right now because he's not. I mean, look, we needed to see something from him. So the whole idea of Kendra, look, the whole idea of any player, you said it on the outset with, uh, with, um, you know, what matters. You were talking about this, you know, hours ago when we first started this podcast about like once a guy does it, you know, the draft capital goes out the window and all the rest of it. You know, this is why Quentin Johnson is scary because he's basically now Nikhil Harry, right? Like he just is like, now it doesn't mean he's going to be, he could also be Devonte Adams, right? That's also, you know, it's possible. Very le- way, 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 way less likely. No, I got it. Way, way, way less likely. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, that's more likely what he is. And so same thing with Kendra. We see that he's where he is. It's like, well, it's probable that he's not the guy or it's becoming increasingly probable. Although we've talked about this uh, at length that the uh, running back position is more opportunity than anything. But, you know, mm-hmm. be that as it may. Right. Hey, I want to do this. We're going to go out. OK, we're going to go out on this. Um, first of all. Thank you so much, man. We we did almost zero player takes. I threw a bunch of players on the show sheet that we were going to try and talk about, and we did basically zero of it. I knew that would happen. I knew it would happen because you and I could just talk about it forever. And, you know, it's just so much fun to talk to you because you get the best out of me, and I said that uh, before. So thank you so much. Uh, tell the kind people where you're coming from, and I got one more thing we're going to talk about before we go. Yeah, it's always a blast chopping it up with you. You did send a show sheet that had about 15 players where we were just going to talk about them and then 
I think we probably hit half of them in here, just yeah. talking strategy around the players. Yep. Uh, but yeah, maybe we'll come back, do a... I was just thinking while when you sent me that show sheet about doing a show where we don't give our opinions on the players necessarily, but you and I go back and forth, and maybe this could be like a special 45-minute episode that we do as a crossover at yeah, some point, where I just give you a player name and you give me kind of like the 360 view of the player, not his profile, right? but more of like how you, where you see them fitting in on a roster. Yeah. Like Devon A. Chain, Gabe Davis, they have a very specific spot on a team. And Absolutely. here's whether you want them or not, that's not the question. The question is if I have them, how do I maximize them? Yes. Like, I think that would be a cool player analysis because really when you get to the market, that's ultimately where you should be shopping. The price, rarely are I going to just go buy players at a great deal. Like that dynasty game is done. Yes. The edge is finding players and being able to maximize what that player can do once they're on my roster. So I think that'd be a cool show we could do where we just fire off players, but it's not just, oh yeah, I like that guy's speed score. You right. know, I like his draft capital, like none of that. It's <laughs> right, all, right. how do they fit on a roster? Yeah. But A lot of it is utilization too. Go for it, go for it. No, no, it's, you can find me at Charles Chill FFB on X, uh, at Destination Devi. Do all the content at Destination Devi. I have my flagship podcast, Destination Dynasty, that comes out every Monday morning. Uh, I have Trades in Five that comes out. We do live streams on Tuesday, and then all the pods are on the Destination Devi feed, so you can check those out. Written content, and then shout out to all our great content creators, writers. Uh, shout out to Ray for giving me the opportunity to yeah. lead this as they launched the new site and all that kind of stuff. So uh, pretty much everything at Destination Devi. Trades in 5 is part of Destination Devi, affiliated with them. We have a Discord. Uh, so DestinationDevi.com if you want to sign up for that, be part of the community. So yeah. I appreciate you having me on every time you do. All, all of you guys are friends. I respect you guys. I respect you because of your process. I respect you uh, because of your who you people are. Like, uh, you know, you're just good peeps. I love Shane. I love Ray. I love you. You've all been on the show. I love you guys. So if you're not following, go follow. Of course, this is like a given. This is where you get great dynasty analysis and other analysis. Let's face it. Um, but you guys are going to be uh, absolutely killing the rookie analysis and all that. But there's a big question, man, a big question that the people need us to discuss real briefly before we let this one go. And I, I don't know, but here's the deal. There was a, a, a post on, I think it was Reddit, and it was CMC traded for Pollard. Would you? The, the, the guy wrote this letter. He said, what, what should I do? This guy offers me Tony Pollard for CMC and I get to bang his wife. And I had so many questions, Scott. I had so many questions. First of all, there's about a 30% chance this is real, right? So we're only going to go on the premise that this is actually real. Because if it's fake, well, then the guy's just, just a mutt. You know, he's just putting stuff out there for the, for the traction. But this, I had so many questions if it's real. So the first question I have for you is if you're the CMC owner, guy comes to you, makes the offer, you're seven and one, he's three and five, give me CMC, I'll give you Pollard, you get to bang my wife. Where is this going? Man, so I know my <laughs> wife won't listen to this, but as a as a happily married man, yeah. I would say that it's an uncomfortable conversation, <laughs> but at the same time, as somebody that 
can read it in the privacy of my own home or whatever. I mean, yeah. it's funny as hell when yeah. I read the thread and just some of the follow-up threads and retweets with people commenting on it were just, I mean, wild. And when you really think about it, though, you're right. There probably is a world where this is actually real. <laughs> and, you know, I not to get into like what type of people they are That's that right. you're dealing right. with yeah, yeah, yeah. or what type of league it is. I'd be just as uncomfortable being the one on the other end of the trade. Yes. You know, someone going, hey, Scott, you want to bang my wife? Yeah, if you right. make this trade with me, I'm right. going, you know, I have a wife I have to go back to. So it's it's just as uncomfortable yes. to answer it on that end, even though I'd be sitting there going, you know, in real life, unless this is some, you know, $20,000 league, like it's I'd be willing to live with the variance between Tony Pollard and Christian. There McCaffrey. you go. That was but. the answer I was looking for. Right. The variance. <laughs> that's right. So what happens is the variance between them. Between Paul is so worth it. And I said, he first of all he says I've always wanted to bang her because he has she has these great tits or whatever. Of course, okay, fine. But I'm talking about so I'm married too. Of course, my wife would never be like, oh, totally. Oh, what a cool thing that you've done accepting this trade. So, so neither of our wives would do the analysis of well, how much is the buy-in and <laughs> how much can you win, right? Zero. So there would it wouldn't even get to that point. Wouldn't get to the Adam twenty two level not, or anything. I was like not that, even right? curious about the buy-in. Like not even okay. The, yeah. It's not even right, gonna come up. Right. It's not, so we're I'm, on the same page. So the yeah. money never comes into it, no matter yeah. what. Then, I am yeah? not allowed okay. to bang this guy's wife. I I know this going in, but I'm still doing it. And and for the reason is you immediately are a sitcom. You are fucking thrust right into a curb your enthusiasm, you know, fucking episode. You're in. This is happening now. Mm-hmm. That there, there's conversation. You see his wife. You're like, I don't know, man. This is just you know your wife. This whole thing is just there's too much drama and conversation you own this fucking guy forever forever you own him you own him forever he he's not gonna let you bang his wife or your wife's not gonna something's gonna get weird it's gonna get fucked up now if they're just straight swingers and like that's the reality i had that question like if this is just like i don't know that's just kind of how they roll it's like well then i probably could have done it anyway so it has no value so there's only mm-hmm. a real thin like margin if the one guy was single and because for us, like we're married, so it's like you know, it's like I got someone to check with on this fucking deal. <laughs> I've got a co-manager mm-hmm. on this on this particular trade. I've got a GM involved. Uh, I don't think she's gonna like the deal at all. So you know, that's never happened for me. But what if the guy was single and it's like you can just get a free pass? Well, that's kind of strange too, because then like you have, do you hang out with them? What if you then win the league with Pollard? Like, there's just so many things. So I just I, said, for I mean, bro, there, there would have been purposes. a point in my life. Yeah, there would have been a point in my life where I would have gone. You know what? I, I, I'll take the risk on the fantasy football trade, right? Like, yeah. there would have been a point in my life where this would have sounded in. like, yeah, yes, yes, yeah. there would have been a point. But yeah, yeah continue. No, continue. it's great. That's it, man. That's it. I just wanted to, I just wanted to get that ridiculous takeoff. That the idea that you're immediately thrust into a like a, 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 a fucking dope, you know, Larry David episode is what's happening. You're just absolutely ready to be like. No, I accepted a trade. I don't, you know, the, the whole idea of it, the conversations around it, people realizing what just happened, the league then asking and saying, no, no, I get to bang his wife. That's also in the deal. Like everything that that's the shrapnel that just, you know, flutters out from this fucking event from happening. First of all, the league would be like, wait, what the fuck is this? It might not even go through. So as soon as you accept, there's still a whole nother, because he even said, you don't get to bang my wife until the deal is accepted and it goes through. 
Okay, so that has to happen first. Well, once that happens, there's a whole slew of things that just come from there, and I think it would be absolute perfect entertainment. I'm doing it for entertainment value alone. My wife would ask me, I'm like, hey, I didn't think, you know, (laughs) yeah, just do it. Accept the trade, move on, and see what happens. Am I right or am I wrong? You are right. Just make sure when you go break the news to your wife that you have a printed copy off of the bylaws that say exactly what you have to adhere once you've made that trade. That way, you can always go back to the bylaws to determine what you're going to do next. And she has to adhere to the bylaws, too. She's the co-manager. That's right. Yeah, that's right. She may veto the trade is what I think I'm going to say. Well, Karma is a guy from the Chiefs. That's all I know. That's all I know. And on that note, I thank you so very much, Mr. Scott Connor, for coming on. This was a lot of fun, uh, and I appreciate you. On behalf of everybody here at The Undrafted, on behalf of everybody here at The Undroppables, on behalf of the greatest podcast producer to ever walk the land, Mr. Michael P. Stands for Philadelphia, who's going to lose to the Celtics tonight. It's the Boston Celtics, for sure. You're done, Michael Peter. You have been joined by the great Scott Connor. I am Jax Falcone, and we are out. Tonight.